0: Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will repair you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Hello my friend and welcome to another incredible episode of The New Wave Entrepreneur. Today I am so excited to share with you this latest episode with none other than Hillary Lee. Hillary is, you know, she's kind of an anomaly in a space of male dominated bravado and testosterone. She brings a logical, calming and fun energy to the space of cryptocurrency. And here's the thing I have to say about crypto, you know, I actually don't believe that there are any true experts in crypto or in blockchain or in, you know, in NFTs, in that whole space. And mostly just because it's such a new space, it's such a new industry, that the real experts are the ones who have just taken the time to educate themselves. And they're they're learning, you know, they're, they're actually students of the game. Anyone who says they're a guru in this space, look, this industry hasn't been long, around long enough for there to be any gurus. But the self-educated, the ones who are putting in hours are the ones who are going to know what's going on here because they see the cycles over time. They understand what some of the leading indicators are of something doing well, of a coin doing well, or of a drop doing well. And Hillary is exactly in that space. She's been trading crypto for almost ten years now. She's so experienced in not only the trading for her own uh, her own benefit, but also taking others through the process of learning cryptocurrency. But just from the perspective of why the financial industries are changing, it's valuable to understand what exactly is happening in this space. And Hillary is, uh, you know, a fountainhead of knowledge when it comes to that. So I'm excited for you to hear from Hillary today. She's going to be dropping a lot of wisdom on you. Make sure that after this episode, you make sure to follow up and do your own research. Obviously, anything that we say on the podcast, it's not, you know, it's not medical advice, not financial advice. You always are, you know, it's always incumbent on you. You always have the responsibility to do your own research. And at the same time, don't take this information with a grain of salt. Really sink into it. You know, what we're going over in today's episode is essentially foundational concepts that you have to understand before you even start investing in crypto. And we talk about, you know, everything from the the real the the real mechanisms of the current financial industry and why, you know, the reserve banking system is completely corrupt, and, you know, to, you know, where you should hold your crypto and how what types of wallets to use and, you know, what some of the numbers are behind the growth of this incredible industry. So, this is something that's very fascinating to me personally, and it's also something that is a crux and a, and a core element of What I consider the new wave of entrepreneurship this new wave of financial technology and systems I think it's so important to learn this stuff. So enjoy today's episode Make sure you if you have any questions to leave them in the comments and now here's the show Welcome to the show. Really happy to have you. You are a bright light in a whole sea of absolute garbage online. <laughs> um, and you know what I what I love about you and your content is that you are just brash and um, you are completely honest and open about how you feel about what's going on in the world, especially when it regards not just the crypto space but decentralized finance in general and the whole concept of of just you know creating this new pathway for independence. uh, I think that we both agree on the fact that a lot of the stuff is still very early. And um, I thought that, you know, a great way to kick this off was for you to give us your elevator pitch of how you got started in this world. And, um, and, you know, we'll take it from there.
1: Yeah. um, How I got started in this world probably goes back to (laughs) 9-11. I'm not going to get into that, but that's honestly, I was in grade six and for whatever reason that like, it just, Something didn't add up to me, and this little grade six Asian girl just started learning about everything I could, um, whatever I could make sense of at the time. Uh, learned a lot about the monetary system and learned about oil. didn't quite get it. but you know as the years went by, more information comes in with your studies and just you know learning about life in the world. And um, fast forward to twenty thirteen. I started learning about forex which is a foreign exchange currency trading so if any uh, of you listening or watching don't know what that means it's like uh, if i have canadian dollars and i swap it for us dollars at a later date i swap it back for canadian dollars but i get more canadian dollars than i originally swapped the uh, fit with the usd for. so you know that was really fun it was challenging trading is a hard uh, career guys don't don't listen to these uh, assholes telling you so easy. You will make two million dollars in two weeks. It's-
0: you mean the guy who told me to get out of forex course is full of shit?
1: Hold on. <laughs> Wait a second. That's the one I signed up for. What? <laughs> yeah. It. It's 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 a rough world out there, but um, yeah. So it it was challenging, but to like it's a never ending journey. Just just like anything in life, just like entrepreneurship, just like running a business. Um, so being a good Forex trader means you need to be aware of everything going on in the world. And maybe that's what gave me a leg up because I know the screwy um, monetary system and how that works. I know the economic cycles, it always repeats, right? People think they can always game the system. Like, I know what's gonna happen before anyone else, but really it's just the same thing that happens in like five to seven to 21 year cycles all the time. You can't game that. So there's knowing that. And then all of a sudden, like Bitcoin and crypto, well, Bitcoin was the only one at the time, pops up. And like as a trader, you know, it's like, what does this mean for the US dollar? What does this mean for anything, right? Commodities. And then just going rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole. And me already having, you know, the seed planted since 9 11 as a sixth grader, it was just, I guess, the obvious next step. However, like most of you listening and here today, I was still risk adverse when it came to actually putting real money into Bitcoin. It's like your mind theoretically knows something and and you do believe in it. You have the conviction, but you're still like, eh, but what if? At the same time, I wasn't, you know, I was on like a entry-level salary. So I didn't really have that much discretionary income to be like, yeah, let's put a few hundred or a few thousand on Bitcoin. So I waited and I only officially invested real money into Bitcoin when it surpassed a thousand. And that's one that was like, to me, that was sort of like the point of no return. I don't know why I, in my head it was 1,000 that absolute dollar value, but it was. And- um, People are
0: so mad at you right now. They're so <laughs> mad. You're creating so much
1: anger and FOMO. <laughs> but but that's what it is, right? It's like, uh, what's that quote? You know, luck is when um, opportunity meets inspiration for Preparation means opportunity. It's it's that it is that. Like yeah, you can say some people are lucky, but it's because you know someone like me or other people that got in early. You know, I didn't get in eleven cents early, (laughs) but I got in at a thousand, and that was because I was prepared. I educated myself, which is what I tell everyone to do before you invest or trade in any asset class, like whether it be crypto or stocks or forex or bonds or commodities. Like please educate yourselves with what's available online first. And then once you understand it, then go in. Don't go in thinking, "Oh, this person made fifty k on Tesla, so I'm gonna do it too." Like,
0: so what? So what year was it at a thousand? Twenty um, seventeen.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It was at a thousand. Bitcoin was at, twi- at a
1: thousand in twenty seventeen. Yeah, Let me, I'm just gonna pull this up because now, now you're making me doubt myself.
0: <laughs> I, you don't know it. If, if it was, then. That's an incredible. I didn't know it was that low in 2017. I mean, I know there was a huge yes, explosion. Yes,
1: yes, it was that low. Oh my God. My charts wow. to like scroll all the way. Yeah. Crazy, right? <laughs> <sighs> Sorry. My candles are really small because that's like such a tiny fraction.
0: Because there was, a big, there was Actually, a big boom in 2017.
1: Yeah. It's showing that it did hit it in 2013.
0: It but then was, also, I know, I know yeah, it hit it. Went, and then it yeah.
1: And then it went way down to like 80 something. Um, let's say the, 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 last time that it was at a thousand and had come back and that was yeah yeah
0: that's that's really interesting I mean I think that there's a certain amount of um like yes you do your you do your research and I think there's a certain amount of you have to be thinking in the future while in the present if you want yes. to make educated decisions even though you could be wrong
1: exactly exactly it's again it's about educating yourself and knowing all sides right it's it's hard to make um, the right decision, if that's what you want to call it, without knowing all possible sides or scenarios. So, if you open your mind to anything that could happen, then what what I call it in trading, what professionals call it in trading, is the path of least. So, what's what's the path of least resistance? We're gonna go forward with crypto and Bitcoin and decentralization and being your own bank and uh, financial sovereignty, or are we gonna stay back in this archaic model? <laughs> Right. Of like uh, fractional reserve banking spending way more than we will <laughs> ever make in GDP. So, like, what's the path of least resistance?
0: OK, I have so much I want to dig through with you. And I don't know. We could talk Let's this. Could be, I mean, it's a whole thing. Yeah. OK, can yeah. you just some people, I mean, lots of people and by design don't understand what the problems are with the current system of governance. And I know that you're in Canada, but there's a similar system in America. So, I mean, it's all kind of the same fractional reserve <laughs> it's banking. It's all, it's all kind of the same.
1: Thing. Like Can you now, explain
0: yeah. what some of the cracks okay. are, and what some of the the major uh, def, the the major holes are in this current model, and why you know it's inevitable that we're moving towards decentralization?
1: Oh man, there's so many angles to attack this. I, I want to attack it in the uh, most digestible way. <laughs> okay, may, may, this is I've never started with this one, so let, let's talk about this. You know, like Reba Sharia law. Yeah. So you know, like usury is is not legal, right? It's haram which means um, you can only, like, out of the money supply, you can't charge interest on that because interest is money that doesn't exist. So if there was only $100 in, like, the, our world today, and then I had all that money and I lent it to you, I can't say, well, you need to pay me back 120 when you pay me back that expiry date. Because...
0: Explain Shira and Haram for people who don't know.
1: Okay, so pretty much it's uh, you cannot charge interest on loans. And um, what's the other thing? You can't borrow money that you don't have to trade. I know that's what it is in trading, but pretty much so. Like if you're a bank or a mortgage lender, you can't charge excessive interest rates, taking advantage of it. So that's 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 hurrah. Yeah. So with that being said, this these are like way back, right? These are beliefs and philosophies way back in time. But then you know some people came in and were like, well, why not? You know, when all we had was gold gold was hard to move around with. It's heavy if you're like the richest guy and you want to go, let's say, shopping for like new horses, new livestock. You're not going to carry all these bricks of gold around. So did you do? So somebody thought of, bank So, hey, I'm going to be the house for all the gold in the town or village or community. You deposit your gold with me. I will look after it. And in return, I'll give you these slips of paper, these slips of paper that say you have five gold, right? So everyone... Whatever you deposit at my bank, you'll get a slip saying you own this much gold. So that's how paper money started. You know, way back, way later. That's pretty much the invention of paper money. But then the bankster thought one day, well, if um, somebody doesn't have any gold and they need to buy a brick and mortar <laughs> to build something, well, I have all this gold, so I can just print them slips of paper that say they have this gold, but in reality, they owe me this much gold back. And the bankster needs to make something in return for the service. So what does he do? He charges interest. And now people start coming to the bankster and borrowing these slips of gold and he charges interest on all of that. But that interest doesn't exist because this is just money that he's lending out in the first place that never belonged to him. It's just bricks of gold being stored in his, uh, I don't know, the back of his barn. (laughs)
0: That's assuming that they're even on the gold standard, which, you know, we, America hasn't been for decades.
1: Right. But we were we they were <laughs> they we were, were back then before 1971. Right. Yep. So back then you had a ten dollar bill. It actually said like certificate uh, certificate. The bearer of this note can go into the bank and exchange it for the same value of gold. Paper money used to be worth something.
0: Well, it's it's true. And, you know, the thing. <laughs> the crazy thing about fractional reserve banking is that The bank only doesn't have to even have that much money in its reserves.
1: Right. I wanted to talk about how in some cultures uh, and religions, interest is not allowed. It's forbidden. Um, And then, you know, talk about how paper money and interest came about. And then now, if you want to talk about what we can actually do today, it's insane. So let's say um, all the money in the world, there's, there's $10 in the world. I am your employer. I give you a check for $10. You go into the bank right now. You say, hey, I would like to deposit this check into my account. So the bank says, oh, now we have $10, all the money in the world, by the way. But now that we have this $10, we can now loan out $9 to anyone else. So somebody behind you in line could go up to the teller and say, hey, um, can I borrow $9? They would get the nine dollars. They turn around to the guy behind them in line and say, "Hey, this is the nine dollars I owed you. Here you go." That person now goes up to the teller, says, "Hey, I would like to deposit this nine dollars." And it just keeps going and going and going. And that is fractional reserve banking. This, the
0: bank only is, needs to have ten percent of the actual 10%. assets and cash that they have on their ledger, essentially.
1: Right, and it doesn't. To them, they don't understand that it could be the same uh, nine. 10% being recycled or 90% being recycled when people deposit, right? It, it could just be a chain behind me or behind you when you go depo- to deposit money or a check at the bank. And they don't know that. They just think this is new, fresh money that we can loan out from. <laughs> what
0: and could it- possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, and okay. Is, yeah. What, what's the problem? Where's the fundamental flaw with that? So like lay it out in color. What's the problem with that? Where's that breakdown?
1: Okay, so supply and demand, that is the problem. The more supply you have of something, the, the more supply you flood in the market of something, the less that thing is worth. So a dollar isn't worth a dollar anymore. Now a dollar is worth 10 cents, say, right? Through, after all that, like, flooding out. And this just keeps going on and on. And it's not just a, a concentrated area that this happens. This is worldwide. And day after day, every single second, there's more money being printed, I don't know if you guys know about uh, world debt clock, world debt clock. Oh, it's right? so
0: scary. I'm going to unlock my screen so that you can show us.
1: Oh, I'm doing it on my other computer. No,
0: done, okay. That's fine. Yeah. yeah so
1: everyone scary. you can go on a uh, world
0: I mean, and honestly, you know, what's funny about this is that it's like world debt clock, but also we're, we're making all of this up. Like we created the debt. So it's not, yes. you know, it, it's not, none of it's real.
1: None, none of it. None of it. Like the, the smallest, tiniest fraction of it is real look at the top left corner, the US national debt. Look at it. It oh, just keeps 20, going and going.
0: 28 trillion. That's not bad.
1: <laughs> and uh, you know, before Obama came, it's a lot less.
0: Well, you know, the Dems like to spend.
1: So you can click on the state. That's not as interesting, but go on world, world debt clocks, top of it. So this will list out all the countries.
0: First of all, this this layout is maddening, by the way. It looks it's <laughs> causing me anxiety just to it's like make me itchy. <laughs> So how is China in so long? I actually know the answer to this because they're the ones issuing all the debt.
1: And and you also have to think, like, don't just look at the national debt side. You also have to look at the country's GDP because it's it's relative, right?
0: So yeah, so there's so, so well, then look at that ratio. It's very clear. We owe more than we're producing. Yes. And China's producing almost double what it owes.
1: Exactly, right? So you might think like, oh my God, China is a second in the list, but it only takes them, let's say half a year. Doesn't really work like that, but it would take them. If we're doing straight math, half a year to Oof, you know, pay that off.
0: Japan's not doing well either.
1: No, Japan hasn't done well for a long time since the nineties.
0: So yeah, they since they stopped being the leader in uh, electronics and technology. Ooh, Germany is barely keeping <laughs> their head above water. The UK yeah. is surprisingly almost breaking even.
1: But like to be fair, Germany is holding the entire eurozone.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot. I mean, they, they've been, you know, they've been hold, trying to hold that whole thing together for the past two decades almost.
1: Yeah. And they, they have been. They've, they're doing a great job. But if if it weren't for that, then I think they'd be the powerhouse.
0: OK, so how does this relate to, for instance, we and th- this happens every year, it seems like, or every every couple of years. How does this relate to in the U.S. Uh, Janet Yellen saying, hey, the Treasury is going to run out of money in three weeks unless we raise the debt ceiling? What does that mean?
1: um like to define it or okay well, so pretty, yeah yeah so let's say that i don't know what it would be what their debt ceiling is i don't have that number so let's say if they're like it's 28.5 trillion and we're almost there uh what do we do so then she comes out and says we're gonna default soon and another thing to remember when um these Fed chairs or imf heads or World Bank come out and say things like this that means they have owed the principal of whatever their loan is for years decades possibly even a century all they've done oh, yeah. is paid off the interest who's the interest going to right like the, remember interest doesn't exist it's it's made up money so whoever they're paying it to China the IMF the World Bank so then yellen comes out and says well in october the us is either going to default on their loans because we can't pay that interest charge anymore or we'll just raise the debt ceiling. Now, yes, doom and gloom, obviously, they have way more debt than they can handle. This has been going on for years, right? But do we think the U.S. is going to uh, let themselves default? No, they're just going to raise the debt ceiling.
0: Yeah, they're going to, but then that just creates, I mean, we're just digging our own grave.
1: Right. So again, flooding the market with more supply, right? If there's um I don't know, if if there's usually 100 apples that are sold every week that are grown and sold every week um and they sell for 25 cents each and then next week there's 500 apples in the market. What's what's the farmer going to do? He's going to be like, "Okay, I need to get rid of these or else they're going to go stale, spoil, get rotten." So why don't you take um why don't you take 10 for 25 cents or why don't you take 50 for, you know, a special price? That's when the market is flooded with supply of a good, the value of that good goes down, it decreases. That is inflation. So
0: what's the difference between inflation and deflation then?
1: We, we, get, we get inflation because now um, the value of each dollar can buy less things. You know, A lot of people like to, a lot of the masses, I guess, think of it as inflation means things are getting more expensive. In actuality, inflation is when $1 you had yesterday can't buy you the same thing that that same dollar can
0: today. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what we do as we continue to raise the debt ceiling because we're having way more supply than demand.
1: Right, we're just printing more and more and more money. And uh, where does this come from? I mean, the GDP, that's 22 trillion, right? Like there, there's a finite amount of that. Yeah, sure, it grows, but you can only produce uh, so much efficiency and now you're just flooding the market with dollars. Like, where is this coming from? There's, there's no work being put out. Productivity isn't there to match the flooding of dollars.
0: I mean, th- this seems to me like, uh, you know, they, they act like this stuff is, you know, high level economics. But to me, it seems very basic. Um, and obviously, there's no easy solution because we're in centuries of embedded decision making at this point. But even up to last year, when you look at all the money that was printed in the U.S., from, from what I've read uh, last year, the United States print- printed one third of the total dollars ever printed in the history of the United States yes. just last year.
1: That is right. And that is right.
0: How could how could the government I mean, this is probably a rhetorical question, but how could the government look at that and say this small, maybe a 12 month at best short term band-aid is going to be healthy for us long term? That's obviously one of the worst decisions
1: that can be made. That's that's what it is. All they've been doing is short term band-aids like plug the leak, right, instead of fixing the crack. Um, that's that's what it's been for decades now. And that's the problem. And it's it's kind of like um you've gone so far past the point of return yeah. that it's like like we can't fix this now. It's gotten way too bad. So what do we do? We just keep we keep pulling, you know, tone the line, I guess is what you call it.
0: You know, one of the analogies I've been making between friends privately, and you know, but I, I think is potentially accurate is you, you look back on you look back at Rome, for instance, in the fall of Rome. And part of the reason why Rome fell was just because its borders expanded past what could have been, you know, controlled by a singular power. And it got so big. And plus, there was a lot of greed, you know, with uh, different, like, magistrates as it expanded and the emperor couldn't control it. And what happened was these, you know, the Germanic forces came in and essentially ransacked from the inside by allowing the uh, the emperor, for instance, to stay on the throne. Meanwhile, the, the governments, the, the other territories and tribes were essentially sucking all the money out of the empire. Exactly, and yeah. It was, you know, Rome, if, if, if in 400 B.C. there had been a CNN, Anderson Cooper wouldn't be on there saying this is in today. Rome has fallen because that's too scary. That would make people run for the hills and cancel their subscriptions. And we need everything to keep going as it's planned. But basically, the, the empire was gone for a thousand years before people realized it. And I'm wondering if it's not the same with the United States in terms of the fact, like, just even when you look at a chess game, you know, you can know that you've lost 20 moves before the game is over, but there's no way to recover. And I'm right. wondering if we're not in the same position. And and you know who the real victor is? It's China. China's been the one that's sucking us dry, you know, because we're the ones that owe so much to them. I, I
1: wonder if we're not in the same position. No, I, you, we are. You are totally correct on that. We are in the same position. Um, what, did you hear or do you know about the bank repos back in like before the pandemic started? More. The bank repos, um, they were flooding the market every day, every night, um, just to be able to pay back the interest, oh, outstanding interest, daily outstanding interest.
0: What I, what I think is so hilarious too, is I look at the fact that like, you know, of and of course, you know, they, they're causing, you know, I, they're gonna obviously raise the debt ceiling, but you have Janet Yellen on here saying, guys, we have three weeks of cash left in the treasury. And I'm like, first of all, you want us all to pay our bills, but you just like the average American is three weeks Three weeks away from bankruptcy, which is the state of the average individual as well. It's so ridiculously ironic.
1: Exactly. Like <laughs> you expect so, us to do this, but you can't right. even do your part. Do right.
0: Your part. And now you're going to create more. You're going to create, I'm sure, I'm sure similar things happening in Canada. Yes.
1: Yes. Same thing.
0: What, what's it looking like there?
1: Honestly, our news is so America focused that I don't even know. Yeah. But um, one of the stupidest things that Trudeau said. Um, do you know about our CERB? Like, you know how you have the CARES Act stimulus? Mm-hmm, did, did you hear mm-hmm. about CERB? So yes. it, it started, it has been changed so many times and I'm just like, wow, every time. So it started as, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was $2,000 each month for six months. So that's 12, 12K 12 for, for whoever's eligible. And it's very easy to be eligible, by the way, in Canada. And then they extended it by a month uh, for 2019, yeah, 2019, you could have walked away with fourteen thousand Canadian stimulus dollars. Okay, cool. Um, and then when that ended, you know, uproar, Twitter. Oh, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to pay my rent? How am I supposed to? Do, do, do? Well, ugh, money management. But you know, we're not taught that in school. So I'm not blaming anyone. By the way, not blaming anyone that you know had an uproar and had a panic attack. But so then uh, the government was like, okay we're going to extend this again then for the last few months of 2019 and moving forward into 20 sorry i'm mixing up my 2020? years so it was 2020 the 14k and then 2021 they extended yeah, yeah, yeah. it for another i don't know it was like it was supposed to end in july and then it got extended to august then end of september and now they've extended it again so the second time around it was 900 for every 2 weeks so they're like we're taxing $100 at the source. And then now, if you take it beyond September, then it's 600 biweekly. But whatever the numbers are, it doesn't matter. It's just endless money printing. And then when people on Twitter were tweeting at Trudeau and saying, like, how are we going to pay for this, right? Obviously, we know it's going to be taxes and inflation on all the people. Right. Trudeau said, the books will balance themselves. He <laughs> said those words. Will they? No word of a lie. Don't worry. The books will balance themselves
0: wow well they will though
1: <laughs> yeah through through my taxes
0: yeah and the goods that I that, pay for that's hilarious um and you know they'll make the books say whatever they need to say and they'll extract the taxes to do it
1: exactly exactly and he's already been in like scandals already so he's, yeah
0: he's I mean he yeah, uh, he's, he he came in with a nice baby face but he's getting dirty now oh yeah uh, it's interesting too yeah I mean that's even why in the beginning, when uh, when I started to hear the concept of universal basic income and I started to hear the concept of, you know, get everyone getting a, a stipend, essentially, and Andrew Yang was a proponent of this when he ran for president, I thought that seemed like basically a good idea Then I thought, I'm not sure if that actually works on paper. You know, I'm not sure if we can continue to give out money in a way that's going to keep, keep pace with inflation and make a tangible difference.
1: Yeah, like there has to be a lot of forethought and planning, a lot of planning on like, how the different streams and avenues are going to work, like how to make sure not so much that the, the abuse and misuse is going to be that much of a problem. It's it's more, how are we going to pay for this? And, you know, cost benefit analysis. Like, I don't know if it's because of my accounting and finance background, but like everything I do is cost benefit. Like, is it worth it to do this? Like, what's the cost in the long run? What's the cost in the short term or medium term. And a lot of people are just like, fix this now, here's the solution. But, not the best solution, or maybe we shouldn't be addressing this in this way, there has to be a better way. I don't know what the what the answer is.
0: I mean, and I bring all this up, so we can kind of like pull up, like, look at the messy room, and then, you know, understand why it's messy. And, and where does where does crypto fit into this from a philosophical standpoint? And how could it potentially be? It, it's not going to fix the world economy, but it might be a hedge against personal
1: autonomy yes yes it's like it is the life raft so you know you have the big elephant in the room that is you know the you not not just the u.s the world debt the stimulus the pandemic um buying all these vaccines like millions and billions of doses but yeah can yeah. we talk about that
0: it's not free by the way it's not free they're it's saying not. it's free medicine
1: it's where do you not. think the money comes from oh my god you have to
0: pay yeah. pfizer where do you you just, it just literally comes right out of your pocket into the okay
1: they think it's charity, it's not charity. It's not charity. Nothing is free. And I don't even mean the free lunch thing. I'm not even talking about, it. I mean, nothing is free. We are paying these big pharma companies, millions, billions of dollars.
0: Billions, billions. And I, and I was reading last year in February of 2020, uh, when they were, when Pfizer was in pre-production for this vaccine, pre-launch for the vaccine. <laughs> and the CEO said something that was really scary. I saved the I saved the uh, article until recently when I threw it away. Uh, but he said, we're going to get this vaccine right, and we're going to sell every single dose. Not a dose will be wasted. He said that in in the in the Forbes article that I read. It was on the Forbes That's Entrepreneur. That's very bold I said,
1: of you. <laughs>
0: That's a very bold statement for someone who hasn't even developed the full vaccine yet, sir. Wow.
1: But you know why? Because he already had these deals in place.
0: Correct. No They're big contracts. There.
1: They're already which is there.
0: This, this is what we do. This is what we do. We did this with yeah. war.
1: Yeah. So if that's the elephant in the room, or like the, the family of elephants, then like Bitcoin and crypto is the glowing unicorn that just came down, got dropped down from the UFO. Yes. <laughs> so yes, it's a hedge against inflation. It is the, the life raft. It is giving you financial sovereignty. It's, it's letting the, giving the little guy a chance again, which is a huge deal. And I don't think people understand the significance of that. Like it's giving the little guys a chance again in a system that has for years and decades um been keeping our heads under the water right and a lot of people I guess you can say uh, they don't have the entrepreneurial blood flowing in them which is fine you know not everyone can do it no everyone can do it not everyone has the motivation and the to, for it.
0: you know I don't not, some of them I don't blame them they might not want to you know it, so it's some a lot it's a love lot of work.
1: being asleep they love being plugged in
0: my mom said that if there are aliens, she doesn't want to know because it's too scary. And I said, but wouldn't you want to know the truth? She says, no, I'm scared to be scared. And I'm like, you know what? That describes a lot of people.
1: That is, that is mass psychology, yeah. They'd rather be certain in a lie than know the fearful truth, the fearful, the hard truths. So back to Bitcoin and crypto, it's, it's giving us a chance again because with Bitcoin, if we're just going to look at Bitcoin specifically. It's, it's a hard cap. So, you know, we are talking a lot about inflation and flooding the market with dollars and um, the value of each dollar decreasing. Well, there's only ever, ever going to be 20 million Bitcoins. I know people hear that a lot, but that's a huge deal. It's mathematically sound. It is computer programmed. It cannot be hacked. It cannot be altered. The debt ceiling can't be raised. The debt ceiling of Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's a term hard money. Hard money, gold, gold is, was as close to hard money as we had. And hard money is something that you can't replicate, imitate, print more of, create more of, and you have to produce or provide work for it, which is, you know, mining gold. That's, that's efficiency. That's productivity. That's work that has been exerted. And then you've gotten value back in exchange. It's just like somebody working a nine to five. That's the hours, the productivity, the human labor they put in, and the dollars, the paycheck is Mm. the money back, the value they get back. So gold back in the day, or I guess it still exists today, was the best form of hard money. But now we have Bitcoin, which is, you know, we are moving to a digital realm, digital world. So why would you scoff at it? Like, you know, a lot of people scoff at it and I, I don't get it. Like, this is the closest thing we have to gold and it's digital. So You don't have to walk around with paper slips saying the bank holds 10 of your gold bars or nuggets, right? Like you can own your crypto. You can own your Bitcoin. You can walk around with it on your phone, on um, on your on your hardware wallet, which you you get if you have crypto. And as more dollars flood the economy, remember what I said, you know, with inflation, it's not just that the prices of things are going up, it's that. A dollar yesterday can't buy you the same amount of things today. Well, that is the same thing with Bitcoin. As they raise the debt ceiling and print more money, the price of Bitcoin and crypto will go up. And that means when you got to spend some fiat, when you got to convert that back to fiat to spend, you know, pay or rent, buy groceries, you get more. You get more fiat out of it.
0: Yeah, so, it's, it's foreign exchange on the next level.
1: Yes, that's exactly it. It is yep. foreign exchange, but on the next level.
0: It's really interesting too. I mean, and in, in I think for me in my head, you know, there are a couple interlocking pieces to understanding everything that's happening. You know, I see blockchain, which is a technology as a piece of the understanding. I also see web 3.0 as the new infrastructure of the internet being a piece of the understanding. And then Bitcoin as itself is a model for other cryptocurrencies, which differ from Bitcoin, but it at least provides a context. How does someone even start to educate themselves in these big changes? Is it just through incremental learning or are there certain resources that you would recommend?
1: I do think it's about incremental learning. And I think the reason why a lot of people don't get it or scoff at it is because they don't understand the current existing monetary system. So I think the beginning is to start there, is to start with what is now. Like don't don't go into the future yet. Start with learning about what we have now because that is a huge hole in the education system we're not taught about monetary money management. It's it's too scary. (laughs) Yeah. We're not even taught about how to pay taxes, which everyone needs to do. Like, isn't that stupid? So start there, start with how does money work today? How does the world actually work? How do things move around? And then uh, hopefully from that, you can see there's glaring (laughs) problems and then can go further. So actually for learning about the monetary system, I love guys have you watched that
0: oh yeah oh yeah that's that's classic fundamental stuff I love that one
1: so i mean like i tell people today and they're still like what no i've I've never heard of that so the guys youtube i think there's three parts yep amazing amazing stuff you'll just be mind blown and if you're not then i don't know what to tell you
0: (laughs) i'll put the links in the show notes guys
1: yeah awesome and then obviously when you go into crypto you want to learn from like reliable people that aren't scammers, which is unfortunately 98% of people in this space. So I have free resources all on my site. So I created, I put my own money into this, into creating a whole site. It's a course. Um, Anyone who signs up gets their own personal login and personal dashboard. So you can follow your progress. And it teaches you what Bitcoin is, what crypto is, uh, why we need it how it can help you. And then as a bonus, I even show you how to set up your accounts because that's that's a huge hurdle. That, it's like, kind of like what your mom was saying, similar to that, like, uh, I'd rather not. Just because yeah. like it takes too much effort. You know, I'd rather not. But if you have step-by-step guides and instructions, which I show you step-by-step in text, as well as video. So I do share my screen. And this is for anyone in the world, but especially the big five uh, countries got you covered so you can learn all about crypto uh about money uh the medium of exchange money gold and then how to buy crypto in your region but you know it doesn't have to be from me it can be from youtube and i know youtube is pretty loud these days when it comes to crypto all you got are the, oh, oh.
0: yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah. Thumbnail. every thumbnail <gasps>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah with like yeah. the red 100x
0: <laughs> yeah yeah Hey, so, no one gets the clicks.
1: <laughs> so, unfortunately, I know YouTube is getting noisier and noisier by the day. But you can find some people. Honestly, I don't go on YouTube myself for uh, crypto resources, so I wouldn't be able to tell you any channels off the top of my head. But Daniel, if you any, if you know any, do you know any?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, there there are um, a lot of reputable channels out there. I think you should just look at the quality of the comments and. Do your own research to find the ones that are really good um i think that the basics are are pretty simple to understand once you do some preliminary research like for instance just getting on Coinbase, understanding how coinbase works is like probably the best the best first step if you're in you know if you're in in america listening to this or a lot of the major countries and my perspective on just getting started with investing in crypto is mostly just dollar cost averaging and essentially that is you can set up an, an automatic monthly, weekly, daily investment, it can be a small amount of money. And I kind of just set it and forget it and don't look at it too much because that causes anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll set a certain amount of money that I'm okay with, um, you know, with investing per month, whether it's a couple hundred dollars or whatever. And basically, I'm just converting my dollars, my fiat into crypto and slowly stocking up for the winter, you know, like like a squirrel stocking up nuts for the winter, just because in the long run, like, I believe that crypto is volatile, but not risky. It's volatile I meaning that on a day-to-day basis, or even in cycles, it goes up and down. But all you have to do is look at the curve and see it's going up. Once you understand, kind of like, like Hillary was saying, what the basics are of the, the current monetary system, you'll understand why it's going up. And that will give you more confidence that even through the volatility, there is not as much long-term risk, especially when you consider that major banks are also investing in crypto. So they're also throwing their hat in. Uh, And they wouldn't be doing this without some certainty on their own end, which is funny because they're the ones propping up the damaged financial system. And then they're saying also, but we believe in crypto, which is antithetical to the broken system. So that's enough proof for me. If if JP Morgan Chase is going to buy a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin, that to me tells me that it's important.
1: Yeah. If Jamie Dimon is going to go on and call Bitcoin a fraud for like five years, but during those five years, he was secretly meeting with the CEO of Coinbase. Yeah,
0: that's your sign. You know, that's your sign. And um, and yeah, follow follow the money, right? Like and, and so this, so you know, that's just like the the header on this. What about what about the crypto space in general? I mean, when I say crypto, I'm talking about, you know, NFTs, DAOs, all these new financial tools and instruments. I mean, DeFi is its own whole world. What are your thoughts on, you know, what are your thoughts on the metaverse? What are your thoughts on where all this is going?
1: This is. Like, I don't think we'll be able to imagine it. It's it's. I always say it's like someone telling you to imagine a color you've never seen. You can't imagine it. Can you go back in time to 1990 or if you're younger, uh, back to when you were born, when you were one or two, could you have imagined doing what you're doing today online? Like, no. you know, I was born in 1990 and I never thought I would shop online, uh, be paying my bills online, having meetings. Online, like that that wasn't a thing. We so futuristic. Yeah, we wouldn't have been able to think of this. There's just so many things. We send mail online, right? Emails. Uh, we have meetings, like I said. Uh, we play games online. And then going like further into that, NFTs, soon we will be, um, you know, the movie ready player one. It's going my
0: favorites.
1: Be, it's going to be exactly like that. That that what they are playing, you know, the when the guy's like um, living in his alternate reality with the goggles on and his VR, that's gonna be NFTs. That's gonna be NFTs. And I was joking with Daniel yesterday um that soon I'm gonna be putting my ads up in the NFT metaverses. Cause um
0: <laughs> not a joke
1: yeah. though. It's not. If you, you're an entrepreneur, you need to run ads on Facebook and Google, right? And like Facebook and Google are banning, like especially. Some for someone like me in the crypto space, it's like I have to be very, very careful of the text and the copy and the thumbnail and the video that I put up on Facebook and Google because you know you, you say something and it could be legit but it's automatic ban. So eventually, I'm gonna be like alphabet and start putting my ads up on like billboards in the NFT metaverse. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be crazy.
0: NFTs, for anyone who's listening and tuning in for the first time, are non-fungible tokens, and these are what I what I see them as. I see them almost as the bridge between the physical world and the digital world. You know, um, right now, NFTs represent mostly the collectible space, and so you have these things like, if, for instance, if you look at a Babe Ruth rookie card, which at Christie's might sell for a few million dollars. The only reason that that piece of paper preserved in a piece of plastic sells for that much money is because people put some intrinsic value on it because of some commemorative uh namesake or you know keepsake, um, or because they think it has value and everyone agrees on that, which is similar to gold in a way, but even even more so because these uh these assets in the physical world don't have any real, any real utility. You know, Warren Buffett would say, I can plant it in the ground, it's not gonna grow up, you know, it's not gonna grow a, a, a tree. Nothing will happen to it. So it doesn't actually do anything. And what we're seeing now in the, in the digital space is that NFTs are the digital version of this. Basically, um, artists are, are one of the vanguard groups that are using NFTs to their advantage. And they're creating lines of essentially JPEGs, pictures, small, small video clips, pieces of music that represent, that represent you know, uh, commemorative uh, uh, you know, pieces of art, things that, uh, that artists want to share with their followers, and you can buy them just like collectibles and store them in digital wallets. And as they're released into the ecosystem, the the, uh, cyber ecosystem, they go up or down in value depending on the demand of those things. And it's almost hard to wrap your head around. I'm showing this to a few friends. I don't know if I still have it on my desktop. Let me look. This is, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, I keep this up on my desktop as inspiration. I'll share this with with the crowd. And one day we'll look back on this and we might say it's stupid, but it's real this is like cyberpunk 8857 <laughs> i was eight, just eight,
1: five, seven. I'm like tell me you it's know? a 5 million dollar crypto punk yeah.
0: and this is a 6 million dollars $6. 6.6 million dollar crypto punk which sold for 2000 ethereum and it's if you're seeing that and saying that's ugly and stupid that's correct but what it represents is a new type of value that's being transacted across the world because it's limited because it's on a platform that's completely new because it's something that is unique in the space and yeah, this is really what's happening, you know?
1: And, and I love the NFT space because a lot of people, their first few steps in the NFT world is learning about JPEGs, yep. <laughs> um, pixels and JPEGs and collectibles and rare images. But if you go further, NFTs is so much more than just for like the artist. Correct. You, can, you can collectively own a house or a piece of property or land with mm-hmm. someone else. You can mm-hmm. own parts of a company and this goes so deep, so far, so crazy, things you wouldn't even be able to imagine. So it's really cool that, you know, I can buy um, a CryptoPunk for maybe 150 k today, and in six months, I can cash out for $5 million. But what I see from that is kind of like money laundering, because that, that is the art world, money laundering. But yeah. of course, you can use it for real artist uses, like um, cutting out the middleman, if you're an artist. So... Take away the crypto punks and the JPEGs and the crypto kitties. As an artist, you can reach your customer directly. Cut out mm-hmm. the middleman, no fees, none of that garbage, no need for lawyers and this and that. But then you can go into actual pieces of property, real property, immovable property. That's where it gets crazy.
0: What I see it as from the artist's perspective, too, talking about that angle, uh, is it's a 360 value prop because if if the artist, because in the past, if the artist sells, let's say, a piece of merch or a CD to their fans, the fans are getting the music, but they're not getting any of the value of that music as it goes up. The artist is getting the money. The artist is getting the shine. The artist is getting the recognition. And usually in between the artist is the label or the producers or the the, the the media giant. And so really, they're sucking most of the profit out of that. And and the artist gets whatever is left and the fans get nothing except the experience. But now what's happening is, you know, this new industry is, is providing an opportunity for the arts to say, I'm going to release something collectible. I'm going to release a piece of art. I'm going to re- release it directly to my fans. And as that piece of art gets intrinsically more valuable because I'm popular and because people want a piece of this, the people holding that will also experience the upside of the value because it's a limited edition, because we've created, you know, on the blockchain, there's only a verifiable number of these things. And, um, and so it creates real value so the fans can share in the value uh, as it's created by the artist who's already doing the work and it can really feel like the community. Doja Cat just released some NFTs that sold for like 200 grand, $180,000, you know, and she's, they're doing these drops now. Yeah. And in the, the non-physical space, you know, when we're talking about utility past the art world. Yeah, you're right. It applies to a lot of things besides just these JPEGs. I I think it kind of goes beyond what we can even really imagine now. Um, yeah. there are these things called DAOs, which are like these decentralized autonomous organizations, DAO. These are some of them are acting as crypto venture funds where everyone is pooling their money, which is all going to be in Ethereum, and they're they're dedicating that money to buy, let's say, a crypto punk for six million dollars. And the people are getting fractional ownership of that punk. And so there's and this is, this is a flat organization. There's no leader. It's run by an algorithm that that creates the rules around it. There's incredible innovations that are happening.
1: Love it. I love cutting out the human exploitation because humans inherently, we're greedy and we're fearful. Yep. The two enemies of being a player in the market, it's fear and greed. Yeah. That's the thing with humans.
0: Yeah, it's interesting too. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where the best way, I feel like the best way to learn this stuff is, is experientially. So even if you go on, uh, for instance, now we're just talking NFTs, you can go on openc.io and you can just start looking at what's being sold on there and realize something, you know, one, you can just, just the practice of buying an NFT. you can get one for 10 or $20. They have them on there. They're not, they don't have to be that expensive. So you can get one on there and you can use that as a way of experiencing the practice of buying these things. That I think is more important than flipping the flipping one and playing that game. You can play that game yeah. if you want, but I think it's important to get your feet wet and understand the scale of this, guys. You know, there. Uh, if you look at, for instance, the the Fortnite game, you know, video game. There's 600 million users playing Fortnite, and OpenSea, which is kind of like the eBay of NFTs for resales of NFTs. There's only 200,000 users. So think about the 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 potential for scale of this, and realize that the 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 there's so much space to catch up that you are still early. And even though so Hillary's much. talking about, you know, oh, I got into Bitcoin at thousand dollars. Even if it's at forty thousand dollars today, when it's at five hundred thousand dollars, you'll have still been very early today.
1: Mm -hmm. Think of I know whoever's listening. There's going to be probably at least fifty of you, fifty percent, sorry, of you that used to say, "Oh, I want to start a YouTube channel, but it's too late." And then two years, two to five years later, you see more people come up and become millionaires with millions of followers. You're like, "Oh, I should have started back then." Kind of want to start now, but I think it's too late. And it happens every, every single few years. And it's like, you should have just started at the beginning when you thought it was too late because it wasn't too late. It was yeah. just your fear holding you back. And um, I, think that, I
0: think that we just don't understand scale. Humans can't understand scale that well.
1: Yeah. So I want to add in this little uh, fun fact. So have you looked at like the internet growth numbers compared to uh, Bitcoin and crypto growth numbers?
0: I think you were talking about it on your stories. Tell us about Yes.
1: It. Yes. Okay. So between 1990 to 2000, the internet grew at 63% per year, which is huge, right? Like um, back in 2000, did I even have internet? No, I did not. (laughs) I did not. I got that in like middle school, like just before high school. So I didn't have internet access yet. And all of a sudden, eBay became popular and we're still scared of buying things online because, oh, they're going to steal your banking information. And today it's like, what? Just buy the damn thing. Take it, (laughs) take my banking information. What are you scared of? So that 10 year period, 63%. Growth. In 1997, there were 140 million internet users. Now, today in 2021, there are 140 million crypto users. So, same thing. Okay. Except in crypto, it's growing at 130% per year. Oh my God. I just sent an email out with this number, but it's it's more than double what the internet grew by, which was 63% ish. I think it's 113, 113. 15% 15% in the crypto space. So if you do that math, right? Just like you said that it's doubling every year, in 2021 we have 140 million. That means we're going to reach a billion by 2024 if this speed of adoption like stays. So 140 million today, 1 billion in 2024, that means if you get in today or you're in today, you will be a part of the first 14%. Is that or is that not early? That is fucking. It's fucking that funny. is damn early. I don't know how much earlier you want to get them. That people are like, it's too late. I didn't get in for a dollar or two hundred dollars or it's twenty thousand dollars. You're still early. It's still early, guys. Guys, if there's people still claiming something is a scam, we are still early. Yes. Do you yes. remember how uh, many people were calling Shopify a scam? Like, in what world could Shopify be a scam? Right. <laughs> early. <laughs> Look at it now. Yeah, I mean
0: think about the conversations that are being had. I mean, I have uh, conversations with people every day and I was, I was at the barbershop the other day and my barber said, Hey, you know, what about this Bitcoin thing? Like, do you think it's going to last? And I just said, I'm so glad you asked that because it means that I'm in the right place.
1: Asking <laughs> the right questions instead of yeah. just scoffing oh. and, you know, like, what zero, it's going to crash. Like ask the right questions.
0: Now, here's something interesting. Um, Ethereum is not necessarily designed as a currency, although it is traded. Um, What what, what can we say um, about the different uh, different applications, the different uses of um, Ethereum as as a network? Obviously, Ether is the token, um, but what can we say about Ethereum and other uh, networks that are being built on top of to support this new crypto and blockchain industry? What's important to look at? Because there's there's a lot of noise in altcoin coin space. There's a lot of noise in that space. And what should a casual observer be looking for?
1: Okay, um, let me just start off with an analogy first, comparing Bitcoin to Ethereum, which I, I thought of, and a lot of students were like, "Oh, so Bitcoin can be seen as money, obviously, right? Digital gold. Um, you can also see it as being your own bank, being in control of your money, and not having it be inflated, or you know, debt ceiling raised, or having more of it printed, which in effect would dilute your Bitcoin holdings." Now, Ethereum is like having a computer, a brand new computer that understands programming language that you can build up on top of. So you can build applications and softwares, algorithm, code, you can build a Photoshop, so to speak, metaphorically. So the things to look at are what could Ethereum be used for? And pretty much anything. <laughs> you can build almost anything on the Ethereum ecosystem. and it's it's crazy. So like Samsung, there, when I last looked at this a few years ago, I don't know if it's completed yet, but there's a washing machine that will alert you when you're almost out of detergent and it will oh, automatically yeah. buy it for you with your. I'm, I'm sure they'll have other payment options as well, um, like other crypto coins. Um, there's so many things. There's um, Sia coin, File coin. So it's like Dropbox, except these are built on the Ethereum ecosystem. They have their, their own system, however, with their own coins. And you are in control of your documents. No head office. You know, there's no Dropbox head office that can look through your stuff and censor you or monitor you, so to speak. You own your files. They're encrypted, and you just have to own the like the SIA coins or the file coins to uh, pay for your subscription and access your files, upload stuff to your drive or what, whatever they'll call it. There's that. There's um, crop insurance for farmers. There's Like, so at the moment, most governments subsidize the farming industry, right? The agriculture. Um, If something happens to the crops or the harvest, they'll cover that to an extent. And um, it also makes the food, the natural food, natural (laughs) food cheaper for you and I, right? When we go to the grocery stores so as to keep the farming industry going. Um, But with Ethereum, now we can build in um, like a network an algorithm that will automatically pay farmers if something happens to the crop, if the weather is shit for a season. If I'm trying to say this in like simple terms, because I know it's it's kind of difficult to talk about, like oh, like this many tons of cherries. But say the market price for a ton of cherries is usually X amount, but then the market gets flooded with more cherries uh, next season. Then there's insurance there in the blockchain that will just pay you out for the difference. There's So many amazing uses with Ether and Ethereum, so many different applications that can be built, things that I can't even imagine right now. What are some of the things that you've come across that are like, oh, shit?
0: There's, I mean, there's, there's, first of all, I um, really like the fact that Ether is almost like a blank canvas to, or Ethereum is like a blank canvas to be able to build on. Um, Over the summer, I got into altcoins just to experience what that was like. And, you know, you go on to Uniswap and you're swapping out Ethereum for these different coins and then playing that game. And it's fun. And it really showed me kind of the possibility of building communities with these coins as well, because um, we're building communities on these networks as well, because you create new projects on the Ethereum network, on the blockchain. And then those projects represent communities where people are now a part of. And that's why, you know, Dogecoin and Kishu were so big and, you know, and uh, there's a ton of other ones, you know. and But what I, what I think is... Um, an interesting difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. There are a lot of differences because I actually have heard uh, from some people that that people are finding ways to build on the blockchain, uh, on the Bitcoin blockchain. I'm not sure if that's true, but one thing about Ethereum is that there there is a certain amount of centralization because Vitalik, who is the one of the co-founders, holds so much of this coin that when he dumps some or when he does something, it does create a shift in the market because he he has so much ownership of it. Is that a concern to you?
1: It's not a concern to me because that, that's a short-term play. That This happens in stocks. This happens in Forex. So whenever you get a sell wall, which is could be one person or a bunch of people selling a large quantity of the asset at the same time, people behind them in line say, well, I want to offload mine first. So each person bids lower and lower and lower. And then you know all those get wiped out for a lower price. But then eventually people look at that and say, hey, value proposition, I can get in on this dip, or this is a good price to... Invest my money in, so then eventually it it fills the gap, so to speak. Prices will always neutralize to what the market thinks it's worth. So if Vitalik wants to dump however many millions of his holdings, that's fine. So we'll have like a short term knee jerk to the downside, maybe a day, a week, but eventually the market participants always step in and raise or lower the price to what the market thinks it's worth. So I, I don't think that is such a concern because, you know, long term, if you're long term bullish on crypto, which everyone should be, then it's it's not a worry unless you are like day trading with leverage, which you shouldn't be. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's not a worry. If, if somebody wants to dump their coins, like more and more corporations are getting into Bitcoin, right? They hold even more than Vitalik holds in Ethereum. So what if they what if they sell? And eventually they will. Maybe not all of it at once, but eventually you will see a huge sell wall like, holy crap, so many millions or billions dollar dollars worth of Bitcoin is being sold on the market. Oh, well, you're going to get a knee jerk reaction. A few red candles, big red yep. candles on the charts, but eventually the market participants will fill in.
0: Yeah, it makes sense, especially when you consider the fact that just talking about Ethereum, it's not really meant to be a currency. It's meant to be a platform for, for building other applications on And so, you know, we're looking at we're looking at two assets in the crypto space that have very different purposes. And and I think that right now people might see them as competitors, but they're really not because they don't they're not serving the same cause.
1: No, no, not at all. So, yeah, Ethereum, you can like build stuff on top of and you need Ethereum to build your own uh, ecosystem. And Bitcoin is just, you know, trying to be digital gold, trying to be that hedge against inflation.
0: Ethereum's so, not supposed to be finite either. It's not, there's no finite amount of Ethereum they can make. No, no there isn't. Yeah. Well, because because Ether is the coin. They can make as much Ether as they need to supply the environment. Yeah. Um, and, and that's actually, you need, if you're going to create applications on the Ethereum network, you have to create more Ether to tokenize it to yeah, be so able to. Having
1: arcade game tokens, right? You need to right. swap your, your fiat dollars for arcade game tokens so you can play the games at the arcade. Same thing with Ethereum. You want to build something, you got to play with the
0: ethers. Yes. So when people exchange the fiat for ether, it's going to create more ether, which goes back into the ecosystem. Yes. That's interesting. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, I could go down the rabbit hole. And, and guys, you know, let's start to open up some questions. If you want to, uh, if you want to ask some questions, go ahead and, and let us know in the chat and then I'll bring you on if you want to speak live. But yeah, I mean, you know, what, what do you think is, um, what do, you, what do you think is a, is a useful strategy for someone going into 2022 who wants to take the first steps in um, in, in start beginning to invest in crypto?
1: Um, well, that little bit you said on DCA, dollar cost averaging, uh, there were so many things I wanted to add on, but I agreed with everything you said. Um, the thing with DCA is, again, I think if you don't have a good understanding of the monetary system, it's hard to commit to putting in a chunk of your paycheck biweekly or whatever, once a month, unless you understand what way the fiat system is headed. So yeah, DCA is a great way, I agree with you. Whether it be $10 every month or $100 every month, some people do it bi-weekly, some people do it weekly. And one of the big uh, criticisms I hear is like, well, why do I want to buy or DCA Bitcoin when it's so high already? Or what if I buy uh, DCA Bitcoin when it's above this long-term curve? what people are missing is if something is headed upwards in in the long-term, eventually, sometimes you're gonna buy above the mean average line. Sometimes you're gonna buy below, above, below, but eventually you will average this this long-term upwards curve, which means in the long-term, your crypto holdings will only go up. So yes, sometimes you may DCA while the market is going down and like you keep buying and it keeps going down and down and down. It's okay because if you understand what's wrong with the monetary system and you understand that crypto is only going up in the long term, then don't check your accounts. Don't check how much your crypto holdings are worth in fiat. Just trust that eventually in the future, they will all do this. They will all have this curve.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's another thing, too. Whenever I think of like dollar cost averaging, I I just remember that we're trained to convert whatever the crypto that we have is into fiat because we pay for everything in fiat, but it really shouldn't be about the equivalence of crypto to fiat or Bitcoin to fiat. It's how much fiat, how much crypto am I holding? Like how many Bitcoins do I have? Not how much is it worth in dollars right now? Because the monetary system is already broken. So that comparison is not really an accurate comparison. You should just be stacking up crypto. And if it's down, great. You're buying more. Yes. And if it's up, OK, your buddy buys a little bit less, but that's because the monetary system is broken, not because crypto is broken.
1: Got it. You got it. On both sides.
0: A on the test. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I passed it. Well, I mean, you again, but that goes back to volatile, but not really risky. Day to day, very volatile. And and I just will say from a personal standpoint, when you start to go deep into this stuff, you can it, it causes a lot of anxiety if you're constantly looking at the charts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Don't, don't constantly look at it. That's what causes a lot of people to their house. Like, honestly, in the stock market. Forex, any market now, the constant checking day by day. And because crypto is so volatile, so you can get 10% swing to the upside and then 20% yeah. swing to the downside in one day in a span of 24 hours, that can give you, puts you on a roller coaster of emotions. So that's why oh, yeah. take a step back. What I call it is zooming out. So a lot of people are like playing whack-a-mole, but like with their heads right on the level of where the moles pop oh. up. Instead of that, go up to a 30,000 foot like you're up on a plane looking down. That's that's what it is. Take a step back, chill, chill. Don't check it all the time. When you're looking from above, everything's so small and so insignificant. Wait till you get to your destination.
0: Yeah. Remember the purpose of why you're there, and exactly. um, and just you know, huddle, huddle.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have conviction know? in what you're doing. Again, I keep repeating myself, but having conviction goes back to uh, educating yourself on the monetary system and and what system we're living in today, and why Bitcoin is the answer.
0: For most of the problems. Yes, it's, it will solve everything. <laughs> but I think it's. I think this is a fantastic start to to like get people's mind engaged. I mean, you know, I even like again just trying to get my mom into even getting her Coinbase account set up, and it's like, okay, let's feed you small little bits. Yeah. Come on, you know, like yeah, here comes the airplane. You know, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Even yeah. if you don't understand why, then you start to invest. You see, it's not hard. Um, and I even think that you know. DeFi as a as a, a, a field is going to be an incredible new yeah. frontier. It's a little bit scary for a lot of people to become your own banker because it's a lot of responsibility, but that's only, only feel like that because we've given too so much responsibility away to yes. banks. You yes.
1: Know? Like, like people are so comfortable with losing their bank cards and forgetting their pins and losing their phones and losing this and that. Like, well, as humans, we should be a little more careful of our assets and possessions and what? Being a crypto owner and holder trains you to do.
0: There's a, yeah, there's a couple of questions. Um, okay, when it comes to how you're storing your crypto, most people are probably, if they already have it, are still storing it on the exchange. I don't have a good, I have a good amount on the exchange too, so I'm not perfect. What? Okay, um,
1: that's totally yeah. okay.
0: What? What? What, is, what? How should people be holding their crypto?
1: Okay, so the rule, my uh, risk management rule, is if you are not planning on touching it for a long time, meaning you're not a trader and you're not planning on selling in the next uh, few months, then it should be automatically, instantly withdrawn to your hardware wallet. So that could be a Ledger, like I showed, or a Trezor, those are the two top ones. I like this one um, because it's like a USB, you can travel with it. You can also travel with a Trezor, but it's, um, it's like uh, if anyone ever does bank deposits on behalf of their employer or business, it's like this little key thing that you press in like the security code, but either are fine. But yeah, if if you are DCAing, you shouldn't be touching that for long term, like five, 10 years. So just as soon as you uh, put your money into Bitcoin or whatever crypto, withdraw it out right away. But if, if you're a trader, that's why I was saying it's okay if you hold money on your exchange, because myself as a trader and my students, it's okay to keep some on your exchange, because Every time you withdraw and put it back, that costs you in transfer and network fee. So you don't want to be doing that. Um, If somebody takes five trades a week, not a day, don't do that. If somebody trades five times a week, um, you don't want to be withdrawing your profit every single time because again, it's going to cost you in fees. It's going to erode the profits that you made. So save it for a little bit. And then, you know, at the end of the month, withdraw it out to your Ledger or Trezor, whatever you're not going to trade with.
0: Now, with, with those hardware wallets, once it's on there, that's the only place where it's located. And how do we, one, how do we make sure that the, the drive doesn't get corrupted? And how do we store it to make sure that it's secure?
1: Okay, so every time you buy it, um, I know Ledger for sure, you can plug it into your computer and it runs a check. So you can run like a check on it to make sure it hasn't been tampered with. Because if you buy it off resellers, which I will like, no, I, that's a horrible idea. Horrible. Yeah, because guys, what can happen is, you know, this comes sealed, right? Like uh, sealed with that plastic. But someone, a wholesale buyer, can buy a bunch, um, open it, take down all the secret recovery phrases, which is your like ultimate password, and it's it's, it's secret for each device, unique for each device. Um, they can write that down and then package it up again, sell it on eBay. And then it gets delivered to you, and you're like, "Oh yeah, sweet, this is new and sealed. It's all good." But it's not. You set it up, um, you start transferring your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, your Litecoin, whatever, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. So what you want yeah, to do is you want to, yeah, what you want to do is you want to run it through that uh, little test, and it lets you know if it's been um, not opened before. I don't know what the correct term is, but like they can see if it if it's been access before <laughs> and if there's any other uh, weird stuff going on it but these are once you have it though these are unhackable you cannot hack them these are offline which is why they are so secure because an exchange is online it's always connected to the internet we call this hot wallets hot wallets are the most risky whereas this is a cold wallet meaning it's offline it's not constantly connected to the internet it's only connected to the internet when you want it to be so when you're like Depositing to it or transferring out—that's the only time that it's connected to the internet. Besides that, you are your own bank. Wherever you go or wherever your hardware wallet is, is where your bank is.
0: See, so, you now my strategy is: I have several different wallets because mm-hmm. I want to split things up. I don't want to have all of my.
1: Okay, I got two crypto packages. Yeah, <laughs> I got to set up. You know? Yeah, it's good to have different ones and like label them with uh, you know those like label makers if if you have one expensive to buy just 45
0: bitcoins on here label 45 <laughs> don't, Bitcoin. don't
1: do that don't do that but like <laughs> make it some sort of code right like number one number two and then in your head know what you put on number one what you keep on number yeah. two yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't 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 yeah. tell don't write what's actually in it on it
0: <laughs> and I, I have i put them in a safe deposit box in my house too which is now I'm giving me giving more information but i but I, I keep them somewhere where i cannot lose like i you know i, I mean i lose stuff all the time so I, I try to be th- like, you know, I try to be very assiduous with this so that I know exactly where it is. I have, like, I have like a protocol for how I handle it. I have like, you know, their labels. Yeah, I have like, I have like different nicknames for them and I put yes, them in the okay. box. It's I like, have
1: nicknames too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, but, but, it, but yeah, you're right. It does. um There is responsibility in being your own banker. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no password recovery. There's no, you can't call up Chase and say, Hey, lost my password. There's no customer service. Yep. And some
1: people don't want to deal with that. So One, don't forget your password. But if you do forget your password, all hope is not lost. You just need that 24-word recovery seed, which everyone will get when they set up their Ledger or Trezor or any other hardware wallet. You will receive 24 or 12 words. And that's what you need to keep and make copies of and leave in different places, different secret places. If you give it to a trusted someone, don't tell them what it is.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Like, Just say, I, I need, need you to hang on. This.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just hold this. Don't look at it. Don't ask what it is. Put if it I in a ever, sealed envelope. I, <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, seriously. If you ever
1: need it, then give it back to me, but like, keep this for me. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: What we do. I, I. But I think that this goes well with the whole idea of individual sovereignty. There's responsibility in being responsible. That sounds redundant. There's responsibility <laughs> in being in, in, in sovereignty. And, and, you know, it's like, do we give up some conveniences to be our own? advisor to be our own ruler of course
1: it's yeah, but, easier to yeah, not yeah but you gain again your sovereignty and security because why you know your banks in america are fdic's uh, secured and in, in the canada cidc you know you're insured up to 250k per bank account or whatever it is in case your bank becomes insolvent you know the government can go in and take your money out right you don't have to be a criminal. Oh yeah,
0: I've been levied levied before by the IRS. They just go in there and they take it.
1: That's not even what I mean though. That's because you owe, like they're saying that you owe them something, but you know, in Cyprus, they they did that. I don't know if uh, a lot of people know about that. So back then the government defaulted on their loans and they said, well, citizens are gonna pay for it. So there were two um, ranges, I believe. So like zero to X amount, of euros in your account, you were removed 20%. And then if you were higher than that, then you were removed more and you can't fight it because it's actually in the clause that you sign. The government has a right to your money because it's their money in their eyes.
0: Oh yeah. I got that message loud and clear, you know? And and, and I I just think that's so, um, and and also like what's, what's the FDIC insurance worth when the government can't even pay their bills? You know, it's it's like insurance for who, for what? You you guys need insurance. Who's going to insure you? You know.
1: Yeah, the only people so, yeah. making money off this is FDIC and <laughs> <N-C-I-D-C. laughs> Like, yeah. yes, pay us the premiums.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's so so. Yeah, this so so. There is a certain amount of um, maybe anxiety that causes to have your own back, but at the yeah. end of the day, it's a fallacy to think there's any other option.
1: Yeah. You know? So if anyone isn't aware of the story I told I was talking about, just Google haircut Cyprus. That's, that's what it's called. It's, a, it's called a haircut.
0: I don't like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, I mean, this is just to any of us more awareness. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, I, I think, you know, I think Canada probably feels the same way. I think we feel oftentimes untouchable because we're the richest and most advanced countries in a lot yeah. of perspectives. But we're not.
1: People have no idea. No idea. You know, if you go back in time to what how things used to be, you'll realize, oh, it's not what we have at all. Like, do, do you know why? Like, do you personally know why America was started in the first place from the colonizers?
0: Uh, well, it was taxation without representation, right? There you go. <laughs> you know,
1: and what, what is America known for today? IRS.
0: <laughs> IRS. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing, too, is there what I think is so funny and it's transparent to me because I'm like in this space. But obviously now the government is working on creating these digital currencies. And so I'm like, that's just a way for them to track more of your money, man. Because the IRS is so inefficient that they can't track everyone's money. Exactly. So they have to put it on their own blockchain, so everything as a serial number so they can track where it's all going. So, yeah. You know, it's like, that's obvious to me.
1: Yeah. Cash tips at the bars and restaurants and at the salon. Are you stupid? Like, we need to see that.
0: Yeah. You know, and now they're now they're saying, oh, well, we, we need to make sure that your Venmo is being tracked. First of all, you should have already been reporting that already. So that's not a new thing. But they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, Venmo and PayPal. We're going to, you know, any transactions over $600, we're going to track that as well. That's like I saw that one coming. Um, Manif said, I'm going to drop for a work meeting. Thanks, Daniel and Hillary. Uh, one question I had is uh, if a demo will find an NFT and selling it, uh, that would be helpful. So, yeah, w- we can do that after the call. And honestly, um, uh, I know Hillary has some resources on this as well. Where, where can they find out more about your work? Where can they do? Okay,
1: go? Um, I'm, I'm just going to type it. So I named my business Crypto to Riches. I could not think of a better name. So it's an homage to Rags to Riches, Crypto to Riches. Um, if you go on that, just Google it. Um, you will find all my stuff, but here's the link, learn.cryptotoriches.com. Um, nice. I have lots we'll of free stuff this. because my goal is to get, I know it's, it's a big goal, but I want to get 1 million families. I want to reach 1 million families with, with That's my stuff because there's so That's much noise goal. out there. There's so much scammers. So you no, know, I'm just going to give it to you for free. So no one can scam you.
0: I'm going to put, I'm going to share this on the screen and then we'll have this in the notes as well for you guys and we'll mail it out. Yeah. So just sign up for her course, um, sign up for her list and just learn and go from yeah, there.
1: Just learn, just learn guys. Um, yeah, I think it's the fourth button, um, which is like the free course, which you can start with the, newsletter, the newsletter. You'll get that. Yeah. And then join yeah. my Facebook group. We we talk in there a lot. I'm super active in there.
0: Oh, Mark Zuckerberg is a whole other conversation.
1: <laughs> I know. He wants I know. to own
0: it's- the metaverse.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure he they're coming out with uh, their own.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, he's already stated that he wants Facebook to be a metaverse company. And uh, and I have a, an Oculus uh, headset, and it's kind of scary. It's kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Um, anything that's a that's a Zuckerberg property at this point, I I was joking with my wife. Although it's kind of half serious. I said, if there was a pill, a poison pill, they had like a 20 or 30% chance of killing me, but a hundred percent chance of taking down everything Facebook's ever built, I would strongly consider taking it. But I just, I really, I really believe that they have exceeded their usefulness on the world. And I feel like they're a parasite at this point, but I know it's ironic because I post on their stuff all the time and I get it. I understand the irony, but I just hate
1: that. I know. I'm the same. <laughs> like, like I make most of my, you know, money from running Facebook and Google ads. Cause that's the only way I can reach more people than I know. Right. But it's like, uh, like I I'm, hate getting you. I'm getting censored. I have to watch what I say. My account got restricted twice last month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Oh, I hate you guys, but like, I need you guys.
0: Yeah. And I, well, I just don't feel like, I, I don't feel like they have, um, I don't feel like they're ethical. I feel like the, the company is not ethical with the way that they handle the data, our data. They're not ethical with the way that they manipulate user psychology Yep. They're not, I mean, e- even them, they tried to launch that coin Libra a couple of years ago, it failed. Now they're going to try to relaunch that again, and they're going to call it Diem. And, you know, I, I kind of view Facebook as big enough to be its own non-local state. I mean, they they have yes. 3 billion users. If they release a, a currency, that could destabilize governments, you know, in some ways.
1: Yeah, and that's why the governments don't like it. I actually, at the beginning, I thought Libra was like, oh, no, what the hell, like anti zucks But after the the Libra got scrapped, for some reason, I did more research into it. And I'm like, this was actually a good idea. Like, yeah, well, it why was, was going to be idea? the US dollar. It's going to be a basket oh. of the world's currencies.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. and I'm sure there would, be, I'm sure they would, It was going to be a basket. And I'm sure there would be some sort of like uh, leveling off and regulation of it at a certain point. But I, I just, I, I feel that, uh, I don't know if I want Mark Zuckerberg Heading that mission up, you know. <laughs> it, it, you know, as much as I am a, of a capitalist, I also feel like I wonder. I just wonder why. Like, what's at a certain point? Is it just growth for growth's sake? Is that the is that the end goal of capitalism? Because I just feel like you know, I just wonder what is the the point of more. You know, I, I just. I,
1: I ask you know, that I too, know. and I I think the best answer that I come up with is somehow they get infiltrated. Whether it is that person's like that the head, their mind gets infiltrated or their organization and breed and power and control and I don't know what it is but that's that's all I can come
0: to. you know like what's the yeah what what I guess at this point he's supporting a whole ecosystem of people and that's a thing but it's just like I don't know I, I feel like there's a certain uh you have to have a certain a very particular personality to be able to want to do that
1: uh-huh. because
0: at that level of power there are always ugly decisions that have to be made period of
1: and that's you why know, I think these people start with like pure intentions that they, they get infiltrated.
0: Yeah. Um, Isaiah said, is there any specific coins that may not be as popular that we should be looking out for?
1: Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head because actually to my students, I say, if you want to trade um, and trade in the right way of volatility, you want to stick to the top 30 to 50 coins on coinmarketcap.com. Because what happens is people start thinking they can game the system. Speaking about earlier, oh, I know this secret or I'm going to get on this early. This is going to be the winner and I'm going to be all of you. It doesn't really work that way because you need there to be adoption and awareness and development. You know, you, you need to have solid tech and like a working product uh, for that coin to increase in value. And a lot of people picking these one-off random projects that are like 500 down on coin market cap. Uh you it's it's a fifty-fifty chance, right? 50-50 it goes up, 50-50 it goes down.
0: Yeah. To the so, moon.
1: Yeah. So and then that's another thing. It gets really cultish. You know, these these smaller coins oh, that, yeah. that aren't popular, like like you were saying about community. Community is great, but it becomes like a cult in some of these uh coins. Oh yeah. Oh
0: it's, yeah.
1: It's uh toxic. <laughs> yeah. I was on so that just, this summer. Yeah, so just be careful about that because uh they start investing with their ego. like it's like the hot stock tip. I'm very against hot stock tips.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I feel the same way. I feel like um, I'm not really too deep into the stock market, but I do like uh, doing like ETFs. So like baskets of stocks, basically indexes, you know? And what I like is there's there's one uh, called Vanguard Growth Fund, which is VOOG. And that's just a basket of like, yeah, the top 10, I think top 20 tech firms, which philosophically, I'm against some of these people, but also (laughs) I'm just like, well,
1: But you know they're going to make money in the long run.
0: Right. It's like, I'm giving Facebook money for ads. I'm investing in them and I'm spending time on them. So I'm like, but I hate (laughs) you. (laughs) So it's very like... Cognitive dissonance, you know. No,
1: I get it, but like the ads gives you, you know, ROI, and then um, yeah,
0: yeah, and, that and then I take more of that. gives
1: you ROI. So it's like yeah,
0: I take the money that I make from the ads, and I put it back in VOOG, which is also giving them money.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, it's Zuckerberg still taking it. <laughs> no, or 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 Bezos, and you know those are in. So yeah. Yeah, um, I
1: know. It's it's uh. It's, it's not a clear path. No, it's, <laughs> it's not kind like of fucked, honestly. It, it kind of just <laughs> <don't> like <laughs> turns in on each other, but it's, we're yeah. making the best of uh, what we got. Another
0: thing I want to mention too, I don't think we mentioned, just talking about investing, you know, I, I have a, an account at Vanguard and then also I do use uh, Robinhood for stocks, but Robinhood for crypto is not a good idea.
1: No, no, no. Please, guys, if, if you hold a crypto on Robinhood or we're about to sign up to Robinhood to get crypto, that is not the place because no. you do not own your crypto you cannot withdraw it you pretty much just uh have the BTC ticker in your account
0: yeah you can and, only trade it for dollars you only trade trade back for Yeah
1: dollars. exactly exactly and and while it might be good um to get someone's uh toes wet i guess to see like oh i can make i can make money just yeah. don't, don't do it for too long
0: <laughs> don't yeah cool don't yeah pay,
1: like oh wow i bought like uh, $500 worth of BTC on robinhood and now it's worth um, i don't know 2000 that's cool but after that, when you want to get serious, then take that money and put it Coinbase or even if you lose
0: money on the way out of Robinhood, or even if you even if even if you take that sixteen thousand or whatever, or twenty thousand that you made off Robinhood, and then you put it into you know the real Bitcoin on Coinbase, it's better.
1: Yeah, you know, one hundred like one hundred and ten percent better. Like Robinhood is not the place for crypto because you don't get any crypto.
0: No, if you don't own your keys, you don't own the. Crypto. You
1: don't own your coins.
0: <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's, and that's so, I mean, I learned that, I learned that too, that this past year when I was like, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I knew in the back of my head, but it really was hammered in I'm like, oh yeah, I don't own any of this because so I had, you know, some money from a long time ago on Robinhood and I was like, oh, I don't actually have any Bitcoin on here. I just have right. dollars. Okay. Right. And, I, and I think that's shady of Robinhood, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I don't know if they have some sort of regulatory thing around that.
1: Yeah. They, they can't. probably don't have the regulations for it because, uh, you need to be regulated to offer stocks futures and options, but probably yeah. they probably don't want to get too uh, caught up in the SEC mess, which is fine. But um, I don't like how they're sort of mis- misleading, misguiding their customers. But hey, yeah, if it's it gets more people through the crypto door, then I'm all for it. Just uh, be aware to not keep doing it on Robinhood.
0: You can you can take like, for instance, if we're now just talking stocks, you can, for instance, if you want to invest in like a, a Vanguard fund, what I like about Robinhood is that you can invest fractional amounts. Um, yeah, and then yeah. you can transfer those stocks to a Vanguard account. Um, oh, I
1: didn't yeah. know that.
0: Cool. Yeah, because I've, I've done that and it does work. Um, with Vanguard, for instance, if you have just a regular account, you have to buy a whole share. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah, and there are minimums too.
0: Yeah, minimums. So, like, I don't know what VOOG is right now, but it's like under 200 bucks or maybe 250 last time I looked. So, you have to spend a whole 250 to get one you know, one unit of that basically, whereas yeah. on Robinhood you could put $50 in and get a fractional percent. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, we look, we go on forever. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna wrap it here and I'll do a, a bumper plate at the end of this. But uh, Hilary, this is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I hope also not just wisdom that you dropped, but some people who are listening now who have never gotten their feet wet have gotten the inspiration to at least look deeper and to do honestly what's best for you. You know, we're just, we're talking and sharing info here. But this is in, in the hopes of you becoming, you know, a more sovereign individual, someone else uh, in our in our collective sphere that that has that light bulb turn on. And um, and, you know, together, we're going to make this a better, more equitable world with some of these financial tools.
1: Yeah. Time to get our lives back. Live the life you deserve. That's, I'm all for that. Cool.
0: Yeah. Everyone yeah. go check out Hillary and we'll see you on the next edition of the New Wave podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Hillary. Um, I'll follow up with you via via IG.
1: Perfect. See you. All right.
0: Talk to you soon, guys. Bye, Later.
1: everyone.
0: Bye. Ah, that's all the time we have for today, my friends. I hope you loved listening to today's episode as much as I loved hosting it and recording it for you. And I really hope that you got tons of wisdom from our incredible guest, Hillary Lee. You know, as I said before, there really are no gurus in this space, but there are self-educated leaders who are putting in the work to give you the information that they're coming back with from the front lines, as you can say. And now it's your turn to do your own research. And so you should check out Hillary's stuff. You can find her on Instagram. It's at it's me, Hillary. And her name is spelled H-I-L-L-O-R-I-E. And you can find her website as well at learncrypto to richescom There's a fantastic amount of free and also some paid information on that site, so check it out. And of course, if you're still wanting to know what's next with the New Wave Entrepreneur Podcast and all the updates that we're dropping, make sure to follow me as well at Daniel D on all the socials and of course my website alphamentorship.com. So until next time the water is warm the tide is rising it's time for you to jump in on the new wave i'll see you then